Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans. Welcome, Manny. Thank you once again, Renee Coleman. Did I say that. your name? You Mr. said just Manny. Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing it's so good there. Getting to that there. point where I I, I'm not even that anymore. <laughs> I'm, not even, still... I'm not even a full name. <laughs> I, was doing I so thought good. it was like Cher or yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, or Madonna Manny. or something. Right, 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 it's right, Manny right. or you know or uh, <laughs> I thought know, I was a porno star. <laughs> you know, a porno star by the okay, name. Okay, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, Renee. Again, thank you. It's good to be back here in yeah, the ring room. And uh, last week, we ha- I thought we had a, a fine time last week. Yes. Yeah, so uh, nice. In fact, we had such a fine time that I, I have nothing to talk about. No. Because oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my notes going, fuck, I said that already. You're all talking yeah. about But I think I've sp- talked to you about this before. You know, stop me if it sounds familiar. Okay. But I've told you this before, that women dig me, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a widely established It's fact. widely established yeah, yeah, yeah. that women dig me. Yeah, but for, the for old, all good reason. Yeah. yeah, and it's a fact. Yes. <laughs> it's a fact. Undisputed fact. Undisputed fact. Undisputed fact, fact around the world. women dig me. Yes. And uh, for all you women out there, you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, as I get older, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to, you know, like... Trying to age gracefully. Yeah. You know, like uh, people of my stature do. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but I think I'm kind of losing it in a way. In a way, because. Well, because uh, last couple weekends, and stop me if I've said this before, but last couple weekends, I've had to, uh, my daughter's had little parties or little events, Uh and we were hosting them. Okay. So I had to go out and pick up food. Uh-huh. For these kids, these girls, and they're fourteen-year-old uh-huh. girls. You, you've been there. Oh yeah, no, I remember fourteen-year-old. Yeah. I mean, when I was fourteen, I was around a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, right. And they never liked you, though. Uh, some, some did yeah. <laughs> more than others. It's a fact, Renee. They never liked you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, so I, I, uh, the first time I go to this. Uh, 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 this pizza place, which I love, which I'm not going to name because I don't know. I want to get into trouble or anything. Okay. Like All right, get in. And I'm picking up some pizza. It's a great place. It's in it's in the the Bywater or whatever they call oh, okay. that area. Um, um, and I I go. Uh, I'm here to pick up some pies and some salad for you know for my I give them my name. And the girl comes up to me, and she is just she's hitting on me. She oh, is okay. hitting on me. She's like, here you go. It's going to be a couple of minutes, she says. And then she like, comes out with the pies and stuff like that. And she's sitting there looking in my eyes. And I must be losing it because I said, thank you. And I walked away. <laughs> I didn't flirt. I didn't do anything. I didn't say, like, you know, you have a nice evening, young lady. Yeah. Or wink or anything like that. Right. I just took the pies and walked away. Right. <laughs> And the poor girl was just sat there. You know, she's just stood there. You left like, her hanging. I left her hanging. You know. You know. Well, you know, you're trying to stay married. You know, you, yeah. you realize the futility. But my of wife all that. knows that women dig. Me. Right, right, right. I'm just saying, you you sense the futility right. of even. It's like, where would this go? It's like, you know. Well, you know, uh, it's it's fun to flirt. I get that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Fun to flirt. Yeah, yeah. And then it happened again, like the following weekend. I went to pick up food at another place, uh-huh. and it was this uh, Asian restaurant. Okay. With Asian employees. Okay. And uh, same thing happened. Yeah. And I said, thank you very much. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) But she was flirting with me. Okay. For the the nation, it's good to flirt. Flirting is good. I think it it brings out a lot of... uh, 
uh, what, what do they call that? Natural endorphins. Sure, yes, absolutely. You know, endorphins. <laughs> I think it's a fact <laughs> that, uh, that that'll happen. Yeah, yeah, well, it's good. It, you know, it, it's... Uh, it gets the juices flowing, you know, for, for right. those that you are in, in intimate relationships. And it was the funniest yeah. thing. I came home and I just beat the shit out of my wife. Okay, no, well, no, I no, no, didn't no, see no, that no. coming. No, no, <laughs> no, not true, not okay. true. She actually kicked my ass. Oh, all right. She said, well, you've been flirting, haven't you? <laughs> well, now I understand your reluctance just, to flirt. She, she punched me in the gut. Yeah, just square, it was, it was, yeah, stri- point, pointed knuckles It was like, like you know, that old footage of that cannonball going in that guy's stomach? Right. It was the same thing. Boom. And it's just reverberating. It just reverberates in my belly, Uh and I fell back, and I said, I love you, too. (laughs) But anyway, that's that's what I've been thinking about for the last three weeks. Well, no, you haven't mentioned that before in the podcast. Well, I haven't? Okay, good. You can scratch that one off And it's a fact that I haven't (laughs) haven't mentioned that. Okay. So, well, so we, we have a, lo- a lot of stuff that's been going on uh, in, in New Orleans this week. One of the things I've become aware of, you know, we, we, first we lost Dr. John last week, passed away. Right. Then, yeah. then we lost Spencer Boren, who's a, a great folk and blues uh, singer, songwriter, instrumentalist. He's been in New Orleans forever. Yeah, sweetest okay. guy in the world. I- I- incredibly talented. Lost him, like, the next day. Then we lost... Little Buck Senegal, yep. the great, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zydeco guitar player, uh, you know, Lafayette era guitar, uh, area guitar player. And I just saw him at Jazz Fest. And so he had Ironboard Sam come up and play with him. And Ironboard Sam is all stroked out. He can only play with his right hand, but he got up and did three or four numbers, you know, just playing piano with his right hand. And you're thinking, boy, uh, you know, Ironboard Sam doesn't look like he's long for this world. Little Buck looks, picture of health, just cool as a cucumber, playing leads, just, you know, that you never know, man. You're getting the drop zone, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's no guarantees. Now, how little is this Buck? He's, he's kind of a diminutive guy, so, you know, he's yeah. a thin guy, not too big. Well, I saw pictures of him. Well, he's, from, he's, from he's, the, he's very little now. Well, I, I saw pic- <laughs> pictures of him from earlier in his career, uh-huh. and, you know, the, he must have been... 15 or 16 in this picture that I saw uh-huh. of him and he was definitely he was not only was he small in stature he was very young you know so right. I think that's where it came you know he was a he, he played with uh, um, Clifton Chenier for many years as a guitar player you know the great accordion uh, player band leader Clifton Chenier and and uh, played with Buckwheat Zydeco played a million guys you know we had CeCe Adcock on a few weeks ago we were talking about Lil Buck Senegal as being one of the, the mentors of, of, right. of all those guys of the you know the Adcocks and, and uh, you know all, all those those guys of our, of our era so 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 we, we lost uh, and then just before that we lost Rocky Erickson you know the great uh, psychedelic uh, you know, guitar player, you know, okay. his, uh, Texas guy. But also, guy. they lost. Um, they lost uh, uh, what? Chase. Leah, Leah Chase. Chase. Leah Chase. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm just talking about musical people. Oh, okay, but, musical But it's been people. been like one after another this week, man. It's it's uh, holy moly. I don't know. Well, people, you better please, watch out. Though, please be really. careful. That's I was like, <laughs> I text my band members. I'm like, y'all be very careful crossing yeah. the street. You know, yeah. can't afford to lose anybody else. Yeah. I hope I make it through this podcast. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, maybe we should go ahead and introduce our guest. So. This is a fellow I first met when I went up to Memphis in, in the 80s. He's from Memphis. He's a guitar player, musician, producer, songwriter. Now he's a studio owner. He's been in, in many bands. Uh, uh, started off in the Modifiers. That's when I first knew yeah. him. He's uh, his band. Uh, since then, he's 
plays uh, in the Eagles of Death Metal. He's played on uh, with uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Played with Tex and the Horseheads way back in in, in L.A. when when you were around, Manny. So with me and Manny, and, <laughs> two <free> stooges. <laughs> That's right, right, right. So without further ado, Mr. Dave Catching, welcome, Dave. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love you so much, Renee. I've oh, always man. been a huge fan of you and your playing and all the bands you've been in. God, you're so and, sweet. And Manny as well. I used to watch Manny play many times, and we actually were on Well, I never some of played the, anything. I, well, I mean, I, I, I saw your band. You're all playing. We're all playing. Whether we're singing, playing dancing. Playing the sandbox. Yeah, yeah. You know. Right. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Having well, chicks dig us, we're, we're right. playing it. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> so, was yeah. a good time, man. Yeah. That was a good time. It was you know, a good time. It's a fact that it was a good time. <laughs> Undisputed fact. Yeah. No, that was around the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. when, when my two Free Stooges were pretty popular there for yeah. a while. Yeah. And I, I'm slowly remembering your face. Yeah, I, my you face know? is But those hidden. glasses, I dig them, man. Yeah, thank you. Those are cool glasses. Valley eyewear. Valley eyewear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little bit of a Mr. Natural thing going here. A little, I know. A bit. I'm, I'm feeling kind of like which wizard. valley? Which San Fernando Valley? <laughs> <laughs> this is more from Australia. Oh, okay. okay. All right. There's valleys there, and I'm not sure exactly what valley in Australia right, we're talking. Right, right. All right. So you met this guy. You met him in Memphis. Yes. Right. Clark. Are you from Memphis? I am from Memphis. Okay. That's a fine town. I like Memphis. It is a fine town. Yeah. It's a fine town to be from, right? Dave? I I don't go there a whole lot, but I definitely enjoyed it when I lived there. You know, Memphis is, is one of those places where you can still go and get very reasonably priced housing in a nice Absolutely. part of town. There's just not a lot else going on no. to, to, uh, to keep you there. Now, they do have some, some cool studios. I, I recently recorded at the, uh, the uh, Delta Sonic studio, which is owned by uh, the fellow that, that has uh, Fat Possum. And, 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 oh. and uh, we did a record with uh, the Iguanas backed up Will Sexton on his latest oh, record. Oh, really? Just, I did not know that. I have to check that one out, but it's great. It's a great studio and, and you know, small. I think it's maybe just like a Fat Possum slash Big Legal Mess, uh, you know, private studio. But, but uh, yeah, really, really terrific. But, but like, uh, you know, so Will lives there, and they live in a lovely house, like Frame House, that in New Orleans would cost $400,000. I think you can still get them in, in Midtown for like hundred and twenty grand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, the houses that all the bands, the modifiers lived in, I think it was $400 a month for an eight-bedroom yeah. mansion. <laughs> but two of the bedrooms you couldn't go into because there were trees growing in it or whatever. Right. So the That's, modifiers, uh, tell our audience what kind of, what kind of music was that? Because I'm not familiar with the modifiers. We were like a country punk version of the Bad Brains. Okay. We, we would, we would do that. half country and half punk. Okay. And uh, that's who I moved to L.A. with. And oh, with the modifiers. Yeah. And what year was this? Well, we started going to L.A. in 82, and then I moved there in 85. Okay. See, I graduated high school in 81. Oh. And my dad kicked me out of the house in 82. So I probably saw you somewhere. <laughs> Maybe you I lived did. on your floor for a minute or two. I don't know the if first, you had a floor. The first night I was in L.A., uh, Milford, our singer, was mugged by a questionable lady of the night. Uh-huh. Uh, outside of the Cafe de Grand. I don't know if you ever remember that oh, place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, that was Cafe my first Grand. night in town, and I met uh, four people I ended up playing in a band with, which was Pleasant Gaiman, sure, uh, Texacala Jones, Iris Berry, and Laura Bennett. 
Iris, yes. Yeah. Iris, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I still know. I, I don't know. I don't, haven't talked to her a lot. But the, one of the first bands I ever saw at Cafe de Grand was the Mentors. Remember the Mentors? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, we played uh, a lot. Duce. El Duce. I, I, I got, I got, Real men. Yeah. Mentors. Yeah. <laughs> I got a DUI uh, coming home from a Mentors gig that we opened. It was the only DUI I've ever had the pleasure of receiving. And that was 1970, I mean, I'm sorry, 1987. Halloween night. Oh God! Yeah, so I had Halloween to go to jail in, in a costume. Is awful. Halloween night in L.A. is like just stay home. It was the worst. Yeah, uh, you know, L.A. I, doesn't do ha- Halloween well. At really, all. they no. turn over cars and set them on fire. And yeah. No, no, yeah. no. It's just, it's just that um, they try to have parties, and the only people that do it right in L.A. is West Hollywood. Okay, and you know, because it's it's <laughs> right. mostly gay and stuff like right, that. Right. They're the ones who do it right. Everywhere else in L.A., they just don't know when to say, you know what, this is not funny. Just go, go, lock your doors and just party. Yeah. Don't huh. go outside. Don't give out candy. Don't do any of that. Well, it's so sprawling. It's so spread out. Yeah, in LA. It's, it's very spread out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so is it now? Now, did uh, for a time you had John Densmore playing in in your band, right? That, that is correct. We had John Densmore from the Doors on drums, and we had Durf Scratch from Fear Excellent. as our bass player. Wow. And that was the modifiers. That was the modifiers. Okay. And we actually went to Memphis and played with those guys, and uh, that was a pretty unique experience too. We played New Year's Eve of nineteen eighty three to eighty four. Well, you know, I just want to get back to El Duce real quickly, and then we can oh, yeah, move yeah, on. Let's do that. I had this El Duce story at the Cafe de Grand. Went and saw the mentors play, and. People are spitting and heckling and all that kind of stuff, and they're throwing their barbs out and stuff like that. And at the end of the show, they're breaking down and stuff like that. Everyone's kind of like getting out of the club. And I think it was Pleasant, was it Pleasant, who comes up to El Duce and says, you know, we have a lot in common. <laughs> and El Duce, without even thinking, he just goes, the only thing we have in common is my cock in your ass. <laughs> And he walked away. He just walked away. He's like, give me another beer, you know? Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> I did witness him doing lots of funny things, though. The mentors were pretty hilarious live. Yeah, oh, they, they were fucking great. They were I, fucking I, great. I remember on, on El Duce's drum kit at one time, he had all, like, uh, scenes from porno magazines oh, yeah. all lacquered onto the drum kit with his uh, executioner's head and uh, hooded head pasted on top of all the guys, so it looks like he was, he was in every... Every one of the sex scenes. <laughs> I thought that's some real creativity there. <laughs> I don't know if they would do so well in today's climate. Yeah, in the Me Too era, you don't yeah. think they'd go over. Well, you know what? But maybe. Of, maybe. But you know, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, I look at because Louis, our that filmographer, videographer yep. that we know in LA, yeah. he sent me some Two Free Stooges show from yeah. like Bogarts and and I watched them. And because we did jokes, you know, we did jokes yeah, between songs. Dick and I did jokes, and I'm listening to these jokes. I go, these jokes would not fly now. Yeah, yeah. they would not fly now. We would get like just told to get the fuck off the stage. You know, it's a different time. Even though it's like it's not really hurting anybody. They're yeah. just it's all in jest. You it's know? all in jest. Yes. But it, it was funny how watching this, going, wow, I can't. My wife might get offended if I just show her this clip. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but it's too bad because, like you said, it wasn't. Mean spirited. No, just... we were just we were parodizing like you know Henny Youngman, Don Rickles, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's what we were doing. Yeah, right, you right, know, right. trying to be uh, Martin and Lewis and yep. stuff like that. 
But anyway, um, so the modifiers, you had Densmore, you had... Um, Durf Scratch. Durf Scratch. What's he up to now? Uh, he's dead. Oh, okay. okay well. El Duce's dead, too. Yes, he is. El Duce's yes, dead is. as he, well. Violent death. Didn't he have a violent yeah, death? I think on the railroad tracks. Yeah. Railroad he, tracks. Yeah, he, yeah, died yeah, on, yeah, he was drunk. He went to sleep on the railroad tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you, know not, how, you know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody's, everybody's been there, right? I've fallen asleep, but luckily I woke up way before... The train the came. Train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Um, uh, so then you, you, you wind up playing with Tex and the Horseheads. And I remember crossing paths with, with Tex with uh, Mike Murphy, who is, a, is yeah, a, yeah. a big fan of this podcast. So shout out to Mike Murphy. I love Mike Murphy. He, I've known him since Memphis as well. And he, he introduced me to the Cramps. Yes. And I've had many fun nights with him and the Cramps going out on the town to see bands. He introduced me to a lot of really cool people, and he introduced me to a lot of great music and books yes. as well. Yeah, Michael. Michael's very, uh, he, you know, he, he's he's so multifaceted. You know, he, like a lot of things. Like nowadays, Michael is a big Catholic, but he's still a huge Cramps fan. <laughs> and you know, I was trying to reconcile that. I was thinking, you know, well, the Cramps are kind of like a gateway drug to Catholicism, <laughs> aren't you, they? You know, it's the goth, the Gothic element. You know, the. The lifestyle part of it, you know? I actually bought a, a Toyota Corolla off of Mike uh, in 1988. And I used that to deliver pizzas at a pizza joint in Laurel Canyon for a couple of years. He sold it to me for $100. Wow, that's a bargain. It was a real bargain. <laughs> they thought the transmission was going out, but it just needed fluid. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice, smart guys. But they had already bought a new car, so they didn't care. Once I told them that they could have it back, and they, but I just remember it was a white Toyota Corolla with a cramp sticker on the back. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, so you're out there, and, and at some point you're living down in Huntington Beach. I know this because I played down there, and you yeah. let us sleep on your floor. Yeah, we exactly. might have stayed there for a couple of nights. Exactly. Actually, we hung out, and I think we watched like uh, some kind of reunion of. Of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young during that. It's, it's weird what you remember, you know. <laughs> that could possibly be actually Manhattan Beach, though. Manhattan Beach, yeah, okay, Manhattan okay. Beach, which is right next to Huntington okay. Beach. But yeah, we we lived down there. We found a house back in the day when you could rent a house for four hundred dollars. Yeah, you by could, the Manhattan beach. beach, Huntington. Fuck that now, man. Yeah, there's no way. It's Milford was working now? at oh, uh, yeah. huh. a Gene Lease music store next door. He was he was uh, working at the music store. Gene Lees, who wrote a lot of uh, chord books for guitar players. Oh, okay. So I got a bunch of my guitars from there when I was a kid too, and oh, cool. it's a couple of my best amplifiers that I still have. Nice. So so then, uh, at some point, you wind up living in in um, Joshua Tree. That's Am correct. I skipping a huge amount of time here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because okay. <laughs> you live down in New Orleans in the interim. Like you, correct. I see you yeah. down here. Yeah. It's I, like I, you're one of those rock and roll lifers that's just, <laughs> just every, you, every time you turn around, it's like, well, there's Dave. He's, of course he'd be here. <laughs> it's a rock scene. You know, like last week, I, I went, uh, we did a podcast, Manny and myself, and then, then went to the Panther Burn show and turned yeah. around and there's Dave. <laughs> that was a great show. It was a they, great show. They sounded really, really fantastic. They did. Now, Tav... Uh, emailed me the next day apologizing for the horrible sound. I said, look, it sounded great out front, Tav. That's not an f- easy stage to play on. I don't know if you've played DBA recently. Well, no, I, didn't. I, did. I think you played the next Saturday night, night. <laughs> turned out, which I didn't realize until today. I yeah. could have actually yeah. made that gig. Sorry. It was, it was a fun one. I, I actually like that stage, but 
I know how it can be with vocals. It's really hard for... He, he's not a belter. Right, no. So that and can it, be a little difficult. It's a very dry stage. It's yep. dry like a sponge. It, it sucks up everything. You that's feel like true. you're working your ass off and you're not getting anything back. And yeah. so I think that's what he was sensing. It's like he couldn't really hear himself well, you know. It's funny that he thought that because it really did. I thought it sounded great out front. The vocals were way on top. You oh, yeah. could hear every, everybody played great. Yeah, the band's super tight, you know. Yep. And a uh, sweet bunch of guys, you know, especially after that was, they played in St. Petersburg the night before and drove overnight. Ooh, and that's a long drive. That's why he couldn't make the show. He was supposed to be on the podcast. Ah. Yeah, we had him scheduled and I called him in the afternoon and it's at 6.15, he was still driving in and he goes, Renee, I just don't think I can talk for an hour and then go do the show. I said, no, Tav, look, I'm, I'm surprised you even said yeah. yes in the first place. Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't push you to uh, hold to this commitment. You know, the Pantherburn show is more important. We'll, yeah. we'll figure out the podcast later on. I feel bad because that was the last show of the tour. Right. And the fact that he didn't have a great time is kind of sad because there was a really good crowd. Everybody was into it and it sounded really great out front. Yep. Yeah, and the band was was you know as as exhausted as I'm sure they all were and running on fumes. They the 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 repetitions, the professionalism, yeah. totally carried the whole thing. They were sharp as attack. Oh, they were. It was it was so fun, man. Well, especially I mean, for me, I hadn't seen him in twenty, almost thirty years. Yeah, actually, wow. and I saw the first Panther Burn show, which was wow. A lot different than that. It was it was equally as amazing, or even more so. Uh-huh. But it definitely wasn't tight, right? <laughs> you know, and Ross Johnson playing drums and Alex right. playing guitar. It was, actually, that was, the first time I saw them was at the Well in sure. Memphis, and Alex Alex Chilton's guitar tone and playing was my greatest inspiration for playing guitar. My brother played guitar and, and showed me a lot of things. And listening to music showed me a lot of things. But that first show that I saw, I was probably 18 or mm-hmm. possibly 19 when I saw them play. And Alex had a hollow body harmony guitar through a twin reverb amp on 10. Uh-huh. And that did more for me than anything I've ever seen in my whole life. Nice. Nice, man. Yeah, that was definitely a moment there in Memphis, you know. That oh, yeah. You had that art damage, you know, meeting punk rock, meeting, uh, you know... That's exactly what it was, and, and it, it was really inspiring. Also, at the time, you could buy bagfuls of the m- most beautiful clothing from the 50s and 60s for a dollar. And so everybody that went out, there wasn't a huge punk rock style where people safety pinned and right. wore shitty clothes. Everybody was wearing amazing clothes because... They were the cheapest. You could get a, a crazy suit for a dollar. Yeah. And all the girls were dolled up. Right. So it was an amazing time to live in Memphis. I, I really enjoyed those from 78 till 85 when I started playing out. That's, that was really incredible. Yeah. Wow, man. Cool. Um, so, 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 so you're, you're, as I say, the rock and roll lifer, you, you, you're all over the place, you know, spend some time in New Orleans and then you wind up, uh, back in, in, uh, Joshua Tree. Yeah. And that's where the meth lab started. Yeah. That is where the meth lab started. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> if I look at you now, man, you don't look so good. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't all the drugs. It was just 
laughing so much over <laughs> La- the years. The good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The good times, yeah. It's the good times. The good times are yeah. killing me. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I kid. I, I kid. You're, you, you're very nice. I do, very look, I do, yeah. I do look like I'm 95. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so this, uh, you wind up starting this, this recording studio, Rancho Della Luna. Correct. Which is you know, out in the desert mm-hmm. and not a place that you would think a lot of people would want to go and, and you know, f- flock to to record, but it winds up being kind of a mecca of, of musicians recording there, and you make a ton of, of landmark records there. It's, it's, pretty, it's, it's really strange because <clears throat> Fred Drake, who I met when I was living in L.A., he recorded a couple of our bands we became friends and I was actually living in New Orleans with my restaurant and I got a call from Fred while I was making a pizza in uptown New Orleans. What was your restaurant? It was called Waterfront Cafe Incorporated. Oh, it was okay. at Beach Ball Benny's uptown near uh, F&M Patio Bar and, oh, sure. and Grits on Lions and Laurel. Right, right. And uh, he called me one day in the middle of work and asked me if I wanted to be partners in a studio. Our friend was selling all his gear, our friend Dean Chamberlain. And at the time, I told him I was, you know, a little preoccupied with running a restaurant. Right. But he said that the, the, stu- the studio was going out of business and they would sell us all their gear for $6,000 wow. and that we could pay it $100 a month or whatever. <laughs> they were just, it was our friend. So right. he was just... Whatever you guys want to pay, if you can, if you can pay, cool. If you can't, just take the gear. Wow. And, and they just I, wanted out. Yeah, the, the that's Dean's, what it sounds like to me. They yeah, just wanted out. Dean's wife wanted him out of the business. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately for him, it didn't work out with him and his wife. Yeah. So he ended up selling his awesome studio to us, and then divorcing his wife. Now, but, was that just the equipment or, or the, uh, the whole thing? It was, it was the equipment, okay. but, but it was, you know, everything you needed. It wasn't amazing. It was a Soundcraft board, mm-hmm. a 16-track, half-inch uh, Fostex tape machine, oh. tons of mics and cables, but everything you really needed at the time, SPX90 and right, right. DBX166s right, or whatever, right. just, but it was enough to really have a studio. And I don't know why I told him I would be his partner but it was $3,000, so I just sent him a check for 3000 not really expecting to be in Joshua Tree anytime soon since I'd, I'd only opened the restaurant for about four months. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, in that same month that we bought that gear, another friend brought his, I can't remember what board it was, but he brought a 16-track, one-inch, okay. and some other gear. So. Fred kind of combined that and did a record with his friend. Two weeks after his friend finished his record, Daniel Lanois needed a place to uh, record. And this is right when my restaurant burned and I was looking for something to do. Daniel Lanois brought his whole studio in, which was his two-track, I mean his uh, two-inch machine, his Neve console from Electric Ladyland. Nice. Brian Eno keyboards uh-huh. and everything out to the desert and left it for one year Wow! to record his, he wanted to record and his deal was he would record there for maybe a month out of the year. He was, you know, he had, he was doing like Willie Nelson and Bob Dylan right. and whatever. And 
he just was wanted like, to have a place to keep his stuff, keep it set up. He could come out exactly. there and use it when he wanted. And his, and his thing was, you guys do whatever you want, but when I want to come in, I get to come in and do my thing. So he came in for maybe three or four weeks during that year, but we were able to use his gear, and we did a Victoria Williams album wow, called Musings of a Creek Dipper, which is a beautiful record. Yeah, and we did a, a Caius record, and we did a couple of cool, really cool records that kind of got us started before uh-huh. he took his gear back. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so that kind of established your reputation, and that got other people coming. Um, exactly. So, and, and so how, how, how do the Queens of the Stone Age, is that the first time that you're, that you're associated with, with those guys, with, with Josh? And, or, uh, well, what happened was, when the restaurant burned, right before Daniel came out, I was sitting here because I'd paid rent in advance for the, for the restaurant. And I didn't really have anywhere to go. We were living in a, in a building that didn't have electricity uh-huh. for a few months. And my part, one of my partners was Rich Siegel from oh, Great yeah. Manu. He, sure, yeah. he was one of my partners. My shout out father. to Rich Siegel. Shout out, Rich. And uh, at the time, I got a call from my friend Hutch, who was one of my best friends. And he asked, he asked me to go on tour with a band called Caius, which mm-hmm. Josh Hami from Queens of the Stone Age, that was his band. So we toured, a f- we did a few tours together and we became really good friends and later we started Queens of the Stone Age together oh, okay. while he, he was on tour with Screaming Trees in Europe. Oh, okay. And he was offered a, a deal to do two songs. We ended up ended only doing one, but we did a song for a compilation record as Queens of the Stone Age and then we started working on that a little bit after that. And then we really started working at the studio, putting that band together. And then he moved to Seattle and he started working with Matt Cameron from Soundgarden and a couple other guys. And then he came back down and then that's when we put Queens of the Stone Age together. I love that guy, Matt Cameron, man. I I fucking love the way that guy plays so, so much, man. He'll do... Uh, drum fill. It sounds like a, a set of drums being thrown down a set of stairs, <laughs> but it comes. It's so swinging. And it comes out so. The place that he that he releases all that tension is so yeah. cool, man. He, he's the best, and he's the nicest guy yeah. as well. Have you ever heard Wellwater Conspiracy? That's a band mm. that he has. He had with uh, John McBain from Monster Magnet, and Josh played on a lot of that. But okay. it's. It sounds like a lost '60s psychedelic album that you yeah. never heard. It's yeah. really, it's really. There's two of them. They're both really good. Well, I'm, you know, I remember the Stone Age, the Queens of the Stone yeah. Age. But then I remember they came out and it was really big. It was yeah. like it just, it just came out, and you know, it was a part of my life where I don't remember much because I was, you know, <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, a lot of reasons. Yeah, a lot of reasons. But I remember, I remember like. The one thing I got from that, it was like all this other like things came out of that one band. And it's like I'm hearing this, the lead singer of Queen of Stone Age is now in another band. Yeah. And then you're in another band. Yeah. And then the drummer's in another band. Sort and of it's a collective, a, if you yeah, will. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it... Yeah, and, and, and I got co- so confused. It's like watching uh, <laughs> European soccer, you know? Because there's like, they have the European leagues and they have Premier League. Wait, who's on what have, team? Yeah, we don't know. We anymore. don't know who's playing on what team. Because this guy I see, he's playing for England, the next day he's playing for Barcelona. <laughs> that's, and that's what I got from, from that band, the Queens of the Stone. It, it's it's it, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so confused. I was like, well, this is really good. I can get yeah. into this. And then MTV was still happening yeah. then, you know. And, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, 
he's not in that band anymore, but he's in this band. So, it's basically, am I right? Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. yeah. So, what happened to everybody? Well, at the time, I, I had a I had a band called. They opened Earthlink. a meth lab in Joshua Tree. <laughs> we right? opened we we had a, chain, a chain yeah, a chain of meth with Bob Forrest. It was right? called. Yeah. <laughs> it was called Mathematics. Yeah, Mathematics yeah, there you go. for beginners. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the time, I had a band called Earthlings with Fred Drake, who I had the studio with and a guy named Pete Stahl who was in Scream from DC and mm. he also had a band called Wool and I started doing that more and they'd get different people to fill in and finally they were like okay we're getting somebody else to fill in and right. we're just going to do this and I started doing my own thing but then that's kind of how it happened with all our bands we started kind of intermingling with right. each other Right, yeah, that's that's what I remember. A lot of yeah. bed hopping, yeah, musical bed hopping. Yeah, whoever was available for yeah, no, this. Yeah, it's cool, that. man. It's so cool, and, and yeah. especially you all have uh, um, similar uh, tastes and influences, yeah. and you know, um, aesthetic. You know, they were they were really lucky because they've got way better guys in the band than I was oh, okay, before well, the band. So it yeah. worked out. It worked out great for everybody. So let's go back. You're a kid. Yep. You're getting into music. Who are your influences? What, do you, what did you like to listen to when you were 12 years old? Um, and then we're going to take a break and okay. get another yeah, round. Yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was 12, roughly, I remember buying my sister candy catching. A, uh, the, Good name, by the way. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she's an amazing lady. She she wanted uh, Ziggy Stardust for Christmas. Okay. And so yeah. I got her Ziggy Stardust, and I remember really, really loving that. And my brother was in rock bands. He had he had a band called Thunderhead and a band So you called, had older siblings and younger siblings Yeah, and so they like turned that. me on to great stuff. Turned, like yeah, Alice yeah. Cooper. Yeah, okay. I was really into Alice Cooper yeah. when I was 12. Um, the first album I ever bought with my own money was... Tommy by The Who. Okay. I don't really know why. I just thought the cover was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, sure. You open it up, it's like a gate gatefold. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was one of the first ones. And it was a double album, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it a double or triple album? It was a, it was yeah. a, I think, it, was it triple? I know it was double at least, but, it but it's gate but it folded yeah. out triple, as a triple, yeah. you know, yeah. exactly. And then my mom turned us on to country stuff. She, it, the funny, she explained it this way. She said, you like rock and roll? You got to listen to the lyrics of the country songs because they're more hardcore than any. Yeah. So she turned me on to like. My mom Hank said William. the same thing to me. Did she really? And I told her, "Shut the hell up, mom." <laughs> you slapped her backwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> said I like rock. <laughs> all right, so you got that influence. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Because I had older siblings, yeah. and yeah, 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 it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, they turned me on to ton everything from Hendrix and the Beatles and Stones to whatever was like the funny strangely enough my brother's band played uh maggot brain by funkadelic in uh -huh, their set right. and so i got turned I on i still have that album it's one of my favorite yeah. Funk, funkadelic's probably one of my favorite bands and it comes from that era strangely enough like my brother's band played weird rock like i said like alice cooper and hendrix and stuff but for some reason they played 
Maggot Brain. It's kind of rock. It's very it, rock oh, influenced. Oh, it really yeah, is. It's yeah. the best yeah. rock yeah. ever. Yeah. I think. It's it's one of the heaviest funk albums. You know, I think so yeah, too. Ever. Yeah. yeah. But not like syncopated funk. Yeah. Just like heavy funk. But like you, you know? guys, I love everything. Right. You know, really. If it's if it's good, it doesn't. I really don't what care for him too yeah. much, <laughs> Renee. <laughs> yeah. Dave, see, I, this is what I put up with every every, 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 every single episode. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, I just show up, I hit my mark, I say my line. I have a sense of humor, thank you. When you're working on something this special and wonderful, you got to work with who you're thrown together with, right? Yeah, exactly. It seems to work. We have a chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a chemistry there. Well, uh, that being said, uh, let's, uh, speaking of chemistry, let's uh, take a little break and get some more chemicals, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, exactly. We'll We'll be right back. Now I just lost what I was going to say. I thought I was helping. I'm not helping. Yeah. But uh, but we are back. Back in the ring room. Back with back uh, in the ring Manny, room. Back in the ring room again. <laughs> back with Manny Chevrolet. Back with oh, Mr. He Dave said my Ketching. last name. Ding 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 ding. Back with Renee Coleman. Yes. Renee Coleman and uh, Mr. Ketchings here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So let me ask you because uh, you know I go to the Bahamas every once in a while in my you brain. You do. Yeah. 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 Um, so before Josh, when did you go to Joshua? When did all that happen? All right. Well, the first time I went was on our first trip with the modifiers to L.A. We, we drove through Joshua Tree. And you dropped acid. <laughs> no, but later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when with the first trip over, we were driving and we had a little time. And Bob from the modifiers uh-huh. mentioned that we were, there was a giant park. So we went through. And it was beautiful. It's a really great drive because if you come in off the 10, you hit the low desert and come up into the high desert right. and then go back down. And it's really a beautiful drive. So that always kind of stuck with me, but I hadn't thought about it until in the later 80s. I, I saw a commercial hmm. and I was like, oh, that place is close. So I st- around 87, I started driving out because it was only two hours away and back then you could actually drive there in about an hour and 45 minutes now it's closer to two and a half three hours on a bad day just because of traffic yeah it's, it's gotten crazy well that's there. that's what i want to talk about it's like because I, I i can't remember but i was talking to someone from california and says like going to joshua trees now like it's it's really hard now because it's populated now. I used to go there, you know, we used yeah. to go there in high school. We'd drive out there and... And there'd be 10 people yeah, in the whole park. Yeah, and now there's, it's booming. Well, check this out. When we started the studio in uh, 93... Okay, that's when you, that's what I want. You were started yeah. in 93. Okay. We started the studio in 93. Wow. I think there were roughly 70,000 visitors a year. This year, they're expecting three and a half million people. <laughs> oh, so that's how much it's changed out there. <laughs> that's quite an increase. That's insane, right? <laughs> that's insanity. It's that's really, just really... Three, three and a half million people in Joshua's tree over, over 12 months. That's crazy. Yeah. And all those people are going to be on acid. <laughs> or the mushrooms I sell stop at my house pick up the mushrooms or the jelly belly now that weed's legal yeah. they stop in Palm Springs get yeah. their weed oh, together right, right right that's nice god that's insanity man it's, it's really crazy because I used to go into the park at least two to three times a week to listen to mixes or whatever mm-hmm. I would just put my mixes on and cruise through the park and because you could do it in like an I could do it in like an hour or so, and it was really fun. I haven't been to the park in over a year and a half, 
and it's only because I've tried a couple of times and there's lines to get in there. Wow. Yeah, and it's stupid. It's it's a it's a shame because it really is one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's really really gorgeous there. Well, you know, it was also I remember as a young guy uh, going to Vegas a lot. Yep. You could take the ten, you know, but there was also some if you, you had to pick up a friend in the valley. Then you could go the north way and through Joshua yep. to get to Vegas, yep. and you would save yourself about a half hour. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure that's gone. <laughs> no, that tri- that it's strangely enough that, that still trip works is, is still great now. Okay, and, okay, and it's, strangely enough, as you go from Joshua Tree through Amboy, there's a really great bar called the Palms. It's a really freaky place. And it's it's great. These kids own it, and they have everything from black metal festivals to noise festivals to country music to whatever. It's just a weird little oasis in between Twenty Nine Palms and Amboy. But then, if you go through Amboy, which sold a few years ago for a million dollars for the whole town, which was right a couple of mile, like I, I don't know how many acres, but it's there's not much there. There's only a few things. It's really cool. But then once you pass that. You hit an area that's, it's really like one of the most beautiful, it's not the park, but it looks like Joshua Tree Park. It's more trees and more boulders than anywhere in the park. So that's actually still a really cool drive that most people don't do very well. Well, yeah, because we discovered that. Because yeah. I'd go to Vegas, and yeah. we did well at Hollywood Park. Yeah. We'd say, yeah. Vegas. Vegas, yeah. <laughs> And it was just like, it was, it was an alternative route, See, which I, was so much quicker. Go ahead. I, I'm, I was going to say, I, I'm listening to you guys talk about this. I'm so envious. I've never been there, and I love the desert. And, and well, now, I wouldn't want to live there. You know, no, I, no. I love the swamp to live in. I, I do, too. But the desert, you know, the, the first time I went to the high desert, I was like, oh, this is where God lives. Yeah. You know? And like the, the, the God of the Bible, you know, is the, you can only hear the still small voice of God in yeah. the desert because there is, you know, one, you have to strip away all that distraction. Well, anytime and, you and your wife want to come out to Joshua Tree, I've got a great place for you to stay. Oh, man. I, I, like I really fun. miss living here a lot, but I, you know, I've got something cool going on out there. And so I have places to stay, but I still, this is still kind of my home, even though I don't come here as often, you know, still a few times a year, but I, I definitely will retire here. Really? Because, okay. Absolutely. Elephant's because, graveyard. That's how I always talk yeah, about New Orleans. Yeah. You know, it's like we all, everyone comes back here to die eventually. It's a know? pain in the ass to get work done here. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's well, my yeah. only problem. Get anything done here. I right? actually tried to move here in 2000. Um, I tried to move back. I had all this work set up, and I was so excited to come back. And every single bit of that work fell through. And I finally ran into the guy who had promised me all the work. I'm like, yo, what? where have you been? You haven't returned my calls for a month. I moved back here. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot. I decided not to do that work, you know. <laughs> you know I'm how like, it goes, man. You know how it is. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I just kind of moved back. <laughs> well, I moved here in 2000. Yeah, I moved did. here in 2000 also. Yeah. I, you had lived here before. Yeah. And I met this character here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and I was like questioning everything going on. He said, he told me this thing. He goes, listen, this city just breeds inertia. Get used to it. Nothing will happen. 
you know? You know, he told me that, and it's and I realized after like six weeks, it's like he was he was honest with you. Yeah, because I'm a person person who wants to be on time. I want to do this. Well, yeah, Matt. We started off when I met Manny. He was making a movie. That's how he wound up running for mayor. He was first making a movie about running for mayor. Oh, and then then he realized that for a few hundred dollars, you can register as an independent and actually run for mayor. Oh, yeah, and that's what we did. So we would we would write scenes. We would set up shoots. (laughs) We would uh, you know have call times. And then you know, then we no wait for we then we wait no for people show to show up. up. Yeah, like <laughs> that's what yeah. no, I think that was the occasion when I explained. Well, Manny, you have yeah. to understand the environment. You know, so we're it, in. it, it was like four was, years in the making. This yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you run against Goat Carson? Goat Carson? I don't no, know who that no, is. No, no, I ran. You know who Goat I, I don't. <laughs> I ran against Ray Nagin. Ray Nagin a oh, couple yeah. of times. You should have won. You should have won. Yeah, and well, you know, against, Ray Nagin wishes uh, Manny would have won. You know, well, he, he might be a free man today. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's yeah. he's going to get out in a couple of years. Well, and have we're a couple all, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's going to have a couple like, million in his bank account. Well, you know? I don't know. Maybe That's a question. Swiss, I think we've asked this question before. <laughs> would you, you know, go to jail for three to five years? Go to jail for three to five years and get out and have. Four million in the bank. I wouldn't go to jail for three to five weeks. No way. Three to five. But days his jail. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could do yeah. a lot of damage to me in three, <laughs> three to five weeks. No, no, yeah. no. Three to five days is more than enough. Yeah. But if you were guaranteed three more. five million dollars. But three he's days. A, he's three in days a minimum for security million. prison where they play ping pong all day. I okay, know, okay. I, well, I, you know, know, I know, I know. All right. You know, actually, we had a guy on last week who, who was in a horrible situation, wound up uh, being exploited by the criminal justice system, did almost four years. Oh, no. And was, never went to trial. What? He, yeah, and, and they finally came and pitched a, a plea deal to him. And he's like, well, okay, if I, I have to plead to a manslaughter, I'll get out in two months. Okay, I guess I have to. No. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, yeah. Listen, listen to the previous yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the, who was that? That's uh, Willie Bonham. Oh, it's I, actually a fantastic story. Uh, oh my god! So it's a real cool. New Orleans story because the the guy that he was was the uh, the the other party in this in this dispute. Was Mr. New Orleans was Mr. New Orleans Frenchy Brulette. The big mobster. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not a big mob. He's a, a mob. Well, he was associate. a pimp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so it's a fact. <laughs> And he was a pimp. Okay, well, <laughs> well, he admits it in his book. Yeah. He, he repeats it repeatedly. I would uh, say it's a fact that you should listen to last week's show and every other show. Yeah, yeah. I think that was episode 60, 60. And last week was 61. This will be 62. So, so, um, so you've traveled the world with all these bands. So you, you've, and now are you, Some of the parts of the world, definitely. Well, well yeah, not, not Antarctica. <laughs> not yet. Okay. But I'm, I got my parka. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ready to get there from the desert to uh, yeah. to the poles. I'll go anywhere. All right, right on, right on. So, are are, is, are the Eagles of Death Metal still playing? Are you? Are oh yeah, any, yeah. They're, any they're, plans? Yeah, to... they're actually in Europe right now. Okay. I just I got so busy with the studio and my other bands and my mezcal company, and at at some point I just had to back away from it. But they they just played a couple of giant festivals, Rock'em Ring and Rock'em Park, and in Germany, and I think they're killing it right now yeah well it's a great band yeah it's, and it's a band that it's a fun band it's the most band. fun band i've ever played in really oh yeah it's super super fun that guy jesse's pretty wild huh <laughs> 
<laughs> that is a, quite the understatement, Renee. <laughs> he seems like a piece of work. <laughs> oh my god, he's the funniest dude ever. He he will. I mean, there's no stopping that guy. He is a force of nature. He yeah. is absolutely the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. <laughs> nice. And he's the best front guy. He can really command a show and. I mean, we've played here tons of times, too, and I've had the best times ever playing with him. Nice, man. So you just mentioned your mezcal company. Yeah. So you, you've, in the last year, you've launched a, a Rancho De La Luna mezcal. That's correct. Talk about that. How'd you well, end up doing that? That's strange. My friend Bingo and I were kidding around <clears throat> one day. He mentioned that I should have a tequila company because everyone brings tequila to the studio to drink. Mm-hmm. And... Five minutes later, someone came in and asked us if we'd ever thought about doing Mezcal, that they knew someone that we should partner with and become a Mezcal company. And the next thing you know, we've got a Mezcal company. And we we went and met them, and they're fantastic. The Mezcal is the best I've ever tried. It was delicious. You gave me some yeah. when I when I, I went to see you the last time I saw you play, and you're like, "Here, take a yeah, yeah. off of this." I was like, "I don't even like tequila. Yeah. This is delicious." Yeah, it's it's really really great. And the 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 company that we partnered with, the mother of the company, she before she could speak English, she decided she wanted to learn English, work for a a law company, and learn English and law and then helped make because for a long time mezcal was illegal it was kind of like the bootleg whiskey of tequila and mezcal is just from a region you know it's like champagne or whatnot okay right so tequila is one region with one agave and then Mm. mezcal is another region with a different agave but anyway she helped uh get the legislation going to make it legal and they're the coolest people and we became really great friends and started this company and it's i think it's fantastic and this was this was the first city that we launched in Mm -hmm. so this was our our big thing because we have so many great friends that have cool bars here right it's been really great so it's a bit of a beachhead for uh yeah rancho del luna oh absolutely man like you know and and as of uh, we won't mention any names, but as of as of this afternoon, you're 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 finding more takers. You're 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 yeah. networking uh, just yeah. just on the street. So that's how it, it works in New Orleans. You it know, really it's all does. who you know. You know, you it's know, all it's all very personal here. That's why I love this town because it's the it's one town that no one gives a damn about what you're wearing, right. who you are, what your background <laughs> is. You're at a bar. You might be sitting next to the next mayor, Manny Chevrolet. Future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Renee Coleman or me yes. or a homeless dude. Right. Or, or the Midnight Cowboy. Who's or the just, Midnight just Cowboy. The, 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 uh, but veranda the, there. But I've never been in a bar where anyone looked at you sideways because of how you were dressed. Or you just never can tell. Everyone's always... You're, yeah, you're it's accepted. like Boston. You ever yeah. go to a Boston I bar? I love Boston, yeah. I hate Boston because, you yeah, you go to a bar <laughs> and they, it's like straight out of Star Wars. They go, I don't like the way you look. 
So then don't fucking look at me, asshole. And all of a sudden there's a fight. <laughs> Dave just almost had a drink come out of his yeah. nose. I think it did yeah. come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That's the great thing about this town here that yep. we live in. That's it. You can, you know, wear a diaper. And yeah. Wear, you know. I'm wearing one yeah. now. Yeah. But I, I've never... I, just to be safe. Yeah. I've, always, I've always had weird looks and no one's ever really... Judge yeah, me because yeah. of like what I'm wearing or whatever. As long as you don't ride a bicycle naked, you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although they just had that Saturday. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We covered that in the last podcast. Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I not... missed that. That was. Yeah, we, we have a good idea on the on the uh, if you know go back in time and listen. Uh, so Manny wants to have to have the uh, naked pace car. <laughs> For, for the for naked the, bike yeah. ride. Yeah. I think you guys should do a naked podcast in <laughs> no, the pace no, that, car. Maybe I'll just wear a diaper. Well, you can have something in the middle so you don't have to look at each other, but yeah, you're yeah. both nude on each but side. But I heard something funny is like, some of these naked bike riders who are renting the blue bikes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no, no, no. That's no, a bad no. thing. No, that's oh, funny because no. somebody was talking about that last night, something I had not thought about. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like I'm the not lady, r- the ladies riding those bikes. I, uh, I, I don't know. For the nation, I'm is a bring real, a towel. Bring a towel. The blue bikes like. are a public-funded bike thing here in the right, city. Right, one's rental bikes. Yeah, yeah, well, you can just rent the bike. You see it on the corner. You can swipe your card, and you can have this bike for as long as you want. And then you just park it's like it. a dollar a minute, though. It's not cheap. Um, no, yeah, it's not cheap. Not, I, I ended up buying like a, a bike because I was like, why am I going to rent this for an hour and I could just own a bike from Walmart. I mean, sorry, whatever that oh, place is man, called. I have a, can, I, can I break in with this hilarious story about my son right here? Yeah. So my son is a two-lane student, and he got his bike stolen. Wait, you know, how is that possible? You're like 26 now. Yeah, well, you know, I started, I, I had kids early. You know? <laughs> anyway, um, so my son had a, not a great bike, just a shitty Swin bike. Schwinn, okay. Schwinn. Um, yeah, yeah. Schwing! Anyway, so, so it got stolen. He had a regular uh, bike lock. It got cut, and it was stolen. He goes, I was like, oh, what a drag, man. You know, they don't have two-lane security. He goes, uh, no, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a really shitty bike and a really good lock, and yeah. that way nobody will steal it. So he, he buys a bike the other day, and I see it in the yard. It's a huffy girl's bike with, <laughs> with a flowered seat and a flowered chain guard. And, you know, like a girl's like, you know, not a crossbar, like, yeah, like yeah, you could yeah. ride it with a dress on. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, Daniel, like, you're really going hard in the paint in that direction, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, look at the lock I bought. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a, a $50 lock. But I always thought it was smarter. I thought like the girl's bike looked like that's what you want for a guy because if you slip off, you're, you're not, not going to rack your nuts. Right, yeah, right, right. Well, you know, my son, and, and when, when you're talking about Josh Homie, I, so... I've always admired the guy because he's a big, tall redhead. Yeah, yeah. So my son is a six foot two plus redhead. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I saw Josh talking about being a redhead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Josh is the kind of redhead that my son is where they'll die as a redhead. It's not like you're a redhead oh, yeah. when you're a kid and oh, now yeah, it's no. going to fade. No, no, you're fucking redhead. No, you're redhead. And, and Josh goes, somebody was asking about it and he goes, you know, there's two kind of redheads. There's the kind of redhead that will be bullied, and then the kind of redhead that's not going to be bullied. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's like my son, you know. Like yeah. And now some redheads will, are bullies. Yeah. I, I get the idea Josh is not a bully. He's actually no. a protector of people, which yeah. is exactly like my, that's my son's character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like these guys are just like, fuck you, man. Like, how dare, how <laughs> yeah. dare. 
don't even fucking think about yeah. it, man. It's, it's it's a very interesting thing that that you know this this kind of disadvantage in life can it, it breeds character. Well, when you're six six and like two forty, and you played football when you were a kid in the desert, yeah, that's gnarly because you're in your football gear in 112 to 15 degree heat. That's Josh's background? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So he does not mess around. Oh, no. He looks tough as nails. No, he... he, he <laughs> I would not mess with him ever. Who are we talking about? Josh Homie, the, the, the guitar player in, in, uh, in Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, okay. And now, I, so... He, he did that and record. And the drummer in Eagles of Death Metal. And the drummer, sometimes. yeah. But he plays on the records. And so uh, he recently wrote the Iggy's last record. Yeah. Um, and I've seen him play a whole bunch of times yeah. with that record, which yeah. is a record I really like. And I, yeah. I love, you know, and, and it's like Josh thought, how can I channel Bowie? How can yeah. I be the Bowie for, for this record? Well, it's funny because that was recorded at Rancho de la Luna, yeah. that album. And... Uh, Hutch and I turned Josh on to the idiot and lust for life. Yeah, and uh, which that that record's a throwback to those those. Yeah, records, and those are two of my favorite albums yes. of all time. But he got the call from from Iggy, and he he showed me the letters that Iggy wrote him, and how he wrote those Bowie albums. Mm -hmm. It's it was pretty intense to see how he talked to Josh about what he wanted to do and to, for Josh as a huge huge Iggy fan as well as me I actually the reason I got my restaurant is because I came here in 1992 well I, I came here many times when I was a kid in Memphis but in 1992 I came here with the Continental Drifters a band that oh, used yeah. to play around here a lot I was a auxiliary member wow. which meant no. that when now was Ray that when Ghanish, Carlo Nucio was in the yeah, band yeah that's a, a you know friend yeah. of auxiliary Carlos. member yeah, yeah. So that I, you used play, I used to play with him at Raji's Raji's okay. sure. yeah. yeah we yeah, were all sure. there at Raji's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when, when Ray Ganeshow couldn't play Ray Ganeshow I love Ray Ganeshow he's one of the best ever so when he couldn't play sometimes I was I okay. would sit in and play guitar. Yeah. Obviously, can't sing like Ray, who has the voice of an angel. So anyway, they were coming to New Orleans to play Jazz Fest. And I really wanted to come, even though I wasn't going to play with the band. Mm -hmm. And the way I got in was I told them I had uh, half a pound of weed and mushrooms, <laughs> and I would bring that in our RV. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, we... They said yes. Somehow Carlo talked them into letting me go. Nice. And we drove an RV across country. And it was one of the best trips I've ever been on because it was 30, 32 hours of just playing amazing songs. It, like Peter Holzapple, you know, uh, Susan Kalsill. Oh, yeah. Uh, Former Troubleman yeah, podcast I mean, it guest. Was, it was amazing. All, they, all we Love did was soon. just play songs all the way here. Anyway, the first person I met was Jimmy Ford. Okay. And I became friends with him. So a couple of months later, my friend Larry Mullins was coming here to make oh, a yeah. record with Iggy at Daniel Lanois studio. And he was like, do you want to go to New Orleans? I was like, yes. So I went to New Orleans with him. We did the trip. I got to hang out with Iggy a lot because we went, we went to... Uh, what album was that for Iggy? What, American it, it Caesar? American that Caesar. That, yeah, yeah it's, uh, um, Malcolm Byrne produced yeah, Malcolm it. Yeah, Malcolm Byrne at, produced at, that. At, 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 um, at Kingsway. Kingsway, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I got to stay with at Kingsway for a couple of days nice. before the Don't band showed up. Don't you love those up. high ceilings? It was <laughs> the beds are the beds sucked. It but, blew my but, fucking mind the, the because I'd never amazing. been into a house that beautiful with Jermaine Wells' house. Every single thing that you would ever want in a studio ever. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix's, I mean, Electric Ladyland Neve console. In the corner was every guitar and amp. He had the most. Be- Everything that you would ever want. Yeah. So anyway, I came here with Larry, and we hung out, and then we, we went out on the town a couple of nights. One of my favorite moments was we went to the Blacksmith Bar with Iggy and the band, and we're sitting around the piano, and even though we were the only people in the whole bar, and we were all sitting at the piano, the girl singing had a, a mic, and she, she was like, you guys look like a band. Are you guys a band? <laughs> and, she, and she would put the mic, like, hey... Yeah, <laughs> and Iggy goes, "Oh yeah, I'm Iggy Pop, and this is my band." She goes, "Oh, that's so cool. Are you gigging around town?" And he goes, "No, we're making a record." And she's like, "Oh, that's so exciting. Okay, I'm going to play a song for you." So anyway, that that trip, I met Jimmy, and uh, I mean the the one before I met Jimmy, but mm-hmm. during that trip was the one that he took me to the place that I ended up having a restaurant in. Oh, okay. So that's how I ended up having the restaurant is because I came with Larry to make the Iggy record. So that's all tied in with Iggy coming. Hi, Dave. See, this is how the life works now. It does. It's It's like so many intersecting circles. It's uh, circles upon circles, you know, with Manny Chevrolet and all. uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've known Iggy for a long time. Mm -hmm. I haven't spoken to him in about 15 years or so. And I met him in, uh, well, because he did the sound, he did the leads for Repo Man. Yeah, of course. And that's how I met him. But then you came down here and interviewed him. Well, I was working for Virgin Records in the early 90s when I was still doing the Stooges um, and I interviewed Iggy he was recording I think it was um, the same record no the same the, the same record oh, here. Caesar. yeah yeah, yeah. Say, at, at, no that's at Kingsway this, that's when you were there is the same record same yeah. record yes okay and then um all right, don't you, Sorry, calm down. You don't have to yell at me. <laughs> two drinks in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drinking a half in. He's I'm like, five drinks in. Like I've a, got he's you like the, pro, uh, the district attorney over here. <laughs> I'm easily excitable, man. You, you know me. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's all right. Calm down. Uh, I know, it's hard. Anyway, uh, he's boy. a good Sorry. guy. He's a good guy. Oh, he's the best, man. Yeah, no, and uh, he He'll had that great man. story about New Thank Orleans. You. Which we never recorded, but he had that great story. He pulled me to the side because we, because Virgin Records is flipping the bill for you know dinners and all that kind of stuff, and I'm sitting there going, now another round for the table, you know, because they're sure, paying sure, sure. for it. But Iggy pulled me to the side and he said, "Man, you want to hear this great story? Seventy-five, seventy-six. I came to New Orleans, and I was I was staying in a hotel on Airline Highway, and." This guy named like Lee or Leroy said, whatever you guys need, just holler my name and I'll get it for you. And he played a gig, I guess. What was that club down on the river? Uh, Old Man Rivers. Yeah, Old Man Rivers or something like that. He had just played a gig and they went back to Airline Highway Motel. He said, Leroy, Leroy. And Leroy came and got them all, whatever they wanted. Way. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And now, I, I, Jimmy or Iggy, he's like a big parrot guy. He's got yeah, parrots. He loves parrots. He loves parrots. Well, it's just so unpredictable. Every day, every, every day that we recorded, 
so we would record at the studio, but there's there's a couple of houses on the property, and right. he and Josh stayed at the the other property that I rent. And every day he would come out in his kimono that barely covered his, his junk. His long dick. Yeah, his giant, <laughs> amazing dick. Anyway, Slice with bottle scrape. But we had breakfast there every morning, and then. I, I was so excited because I was like, one of my favorite nights was when we went to the blacksmith bar in New Orleans. Like, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that. Never been but, because, because don't be offended. I don't remember a lot of stuff I, I've done. I'm like, I wouldn't expect you to remember me, but that's still one of my favorite moments of my entire life because it it was it was pretty amazing. But doing that album was was really fun. It was it was a really great experience because it was maybe like five or six weeks yeah. of just hanging out every day. It was super easy. It was 11 till five and then we'd have wine and then we'd go cook dinner together and play music and then go, we were done by seven every day. Very civilized, man. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And is it's that, a great record. Is that when he was yes. still dating that, what's her name? Uh, he was married to her. Yeah, so uh, he's still wife. married to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. He, that Asian girl. He, oh, yeah. no, yeah, here. Yeah, when yeah, we, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, remember yeah. her name, but. Yeah. yeah. They were together for a long time. Yeah. 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 He's a good guy. Yeah. 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 Iggy's the best, man. He He's still the best front man of all time, I think. Yeah. I think so, too. It's hard to beat. Him yeah, and Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because he bought this crazy belt at the tractor supply place in Yucca Valley, which is next to Joshua Tree, and he still wears it at every show. And, and his <laughs> wife, every time I see him play and she's there, she's like, that's that damn belt he bought it. <laughs> he loves it. So that's kind of wow. cool. Yeah, good good times. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Wow, this has been so fun, Dave. It's been great. You know, I, I, I'm always nervous when I have a great guest coming up. I'm, I, 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 I didn't used to be when it started off. We've been doing, we're about a year in here. I this. love this. And Too bad you don't have a great host, but it's okay. I've got at least one great host, but I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting better. Actually, I got two great hosts. I'm trying Just to get kidding. better. I'm trying to do my best. Anyway, um, yeah, I can see the the, the yeah, whole room is empty now. Yeah. The Midnight Cowboy is gone. Our, our our great bartender, whose name I can never remember, is gone. Um, we've, we're left alone. Oh Once again. So look, now Dave, we can really talk at, at dirt. The, at, Let me the, tell you. Look, at the end of life, Dave, this is how it is. <laughs> You're all alone. <laughs> You're all room. alone. With two assholes. With two assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you start off with one. <laughs> you wind up with two. Yeah. You're exactly. still all alone. And we don't have a bartender. That's so sad. No, I know. I know. It's okay. uh, they, they have, you know, it's, it's a big city. There's, uh, there's, there's lots of stuff. There's, there's, lots of, there's lots of bars out there. Well, Maybe we should start to wrap up, though. How many? Okay, yeah. Sure. Listen, um, you are one of the guests that we will have back for sure. Cause I would love you're that. Coming uh, back, so and we got a lot more to cover. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank but, you guys for yeah, having me. It's well, really, it's been my pleasure. Good, good. Uh, Closing thoughts, man. Um, there's only one thought I have right now, and that's it. Nation, nation, troubled nation, troubled nation. Two ply is the way to go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah don't cheap out. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. and, and Trouble Nation, we like to say, uh, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues always. Good night. Good night. Good night.